you give tiny tidbits of yourself to others, they're ascertaining, okay, our trust is building. And then by modeling that type of behavior, they can then go how to, and ask them, how do you do that? How do you build that trust with your team? What's the things that you share about yourself that give a glimmer of what motivates you and drives you and makes you who you are? And once you've given that to someone, that's a gift. Welcome to Beeline, a podcast brought to you by the Hive Change Consultancy and hosted by its CEO, Andrew Tilling. My name's Gemma Aston, and I'm part of the leadership team at the Hive. Our job is to serve leaders like you who are committed to making a positive impact. I've put together this podcast series and invited some passionate and knowledgeable change makers to help us find the Beeline the simplest way to bridge the gap between pain points and solutions, and to give you the resources to support your leadership journey. Beeline, lead the way. In Jim Collins' work around Beyond Entrepreneurship, he speaks about this idea of level five leadership. And uh, it's about building enduring greatness. It's about ensuring that when you leave an organization, it doesn't fall apart. And that's not the measure of how great you are. The measure of how great you are as a leader is how well that organization thrives when when you've let it go, when when you've moved away. And for me, as a a leader, as a trainer, as a coach, as a founder, um, for me, trying to empower my team is is always at the back of my mind. It's something that I I really try to do. So when Gemma, um, a member of my team who produces this podcast, suggests that we have a, a session around letting go and surrendering control. It, you know, I could have taken that a bit personally. Uh, so it kind of shook me a little bit, but I thought, no, I think the best person to speak to is my guest today. My guest has a background in teaching and psychology, in sports coaching, but with a particular focus um, recently around supporting entrepreneurs and founders who are looking to make um, a, a real impact on the triple bottom line. In fact, he says that if his work isn't making the world a better place for future generations, then he immediately starts to look for, for a new challenge, which really struck me as somebody who really lives these values. He was recommended to me by a founder and uh, entrepreneur who said there's something about my guest's coaching style that helps entrepreneurs to shift state to shift focus to to find a way of um, stepping into their full power um, while at the same time surrendering control there's something about that mindset shift which is really powerful so when I first spoke with my guest I was deeply struck by his sensitivity and um, how clearly he was able to articulate what can be a really kind of deep and unconscious experience for a lot of people so it's my absolute pleasure to introduce Michael Crow. Michael, welcome to Beeline. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. What a, what a lovely intro as well. Oh, well, kind of you know. Warm, warms the heart to kind of get that type of intro from a person like yourself. Well, you know, I mean it. You have this um, sensitivity about you, which um, I found to be quite striking and rare. And it helps me to really kind of tune into when I'm supporting leaders the sense that there's a little bit more going on there um, than perhaps is at the surface. And as leaders, you know, you're so often in front of people and you're having to 
um, present and represent the business and represent the story and represent the vision, then to turn up authentically and to be yourself can often be a real challenge for people to kind of let go and, 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 and to relax into that position. But it can be so important, can't it, for, for a leader to, to show up as their authentic self. Yeah, because I guess subconsciously we, we have these signals in life that we've unlearned. At, at a subconscious level, we pick up these nuances when we meet people and you go, I'm bound, I'm bound to this person, I'm connected to them or I'm disconnected. And so when you don't show up as you are, there's some niggling thought that goes into the person's brain to go, I'm not sure what's there, but I'm, I'm slightly reticent. But when someone's fully in, then you take that whole person and you're able to go, great. I, I trust, there's a trust building. There's, there's, a, there's a way forward that we can do this collectively together to make a difference, to, to produce perform to where we need to, that, that allows us as an individual group of individuals, a team and an organization to create that change. And so, yeah, once you, once you show up as yourself and you open that window to, to people to go, this is what I see. Do others see that? That's powerful. That that helps them immeasurably in in all aspects of their life, not just in that work um, performance arena. You, we've only been able to say the word feelings in the training room for about three years. So, um, when we're talking about <laughs> you know inner experience and um, you know people's sense of a, of of kind of coming to work and how and the, their feeling of you as a leader. I mean. Do you find that leaders are really open to this or do you find that there's a little bit of skepticism or um, unwillingness to go there? You know what I'm speaking to? Yeah, I guess from some of the clients I have, they they naturally are the people that share. For some of the others, they're aspiring to that because they know that that's when they've had an, uh, a manager or uh, an owner or founder that does that, they, they kind of gravitate to them. Some others will go in the more corporate setting what, what are you talking about how, how is this thing this with i don't bring my whole self to work and some people are open to it um, i met someone the other day similar conversation to you and i straight into a deep deep conversation others it's more of a i'm going to give you a sense of tiny bits of me like i'm reading my cv to you and i'm giving you some angles of this is what i'm working at so it depends on whether they have that ability to kind of drop out of heavy, deep analytical thinking and kind of more sitting in a present state around themselves, then they're more likely to share. They're more likely to be transparent. They're more likely to be a bit more honest about everything. Um, and they've slowly warmed up where they tell me everything, they probably tell you everything. And, but initially like, they're unsure about which bits to tell which bits to not hide because they, they didn't intentionally hide but they would slightly mask them and so when you ask the question why does this occur that it's coming from a safe space that allows them to talk i share my insights around myself and my kids and my wife and my friends and by giving myself most people go okay that's the type of relationship we're in we're sharing at a deeper level they're more likely to, to share in response. So that's where it's tricky. It's like, why don't they share with me? Well, do you share with them in the first place that <laughs> creates that bond? It can really affect trust as well, can't it? Because there's 
there's that you know trust is such a, a subjective thing and we can look at things like the trust equation you know credibility reliability intimacy how well we know each other you know um but all that's undermined by um this sense of or self-orientation you know how am i um coming across as being all about what i want rather than about what's good for for you or for the community or for, for environment around us and i think for a leader that can and when there's power shift and particularly with a founder who's got a very strong vision and they're very committed to what it is that they're trying to do it's like if it's all about the thing if it's all about what we're trying to achieve um and we're not necessarily being fully open about all those things going on there's that sense of well hang on a minute am i being manipulated here am i um is there something that's being hidden from me is there um is there an agenda behind it that i don't know what's going on and and often you know from my point of view sometimes i've withheld stuff because it's not quite formed yet you know i'm trying to i'm trying to create as i go there's a few things i'm really certain on i want to direct people in that kind of direction but or I'm, I'm not quite ready to go and talk about those things just yet, you know? And, and I think unless you're willing to turn up and kind of go, all right, then here's the degree of transparency I have, or this is what's happening for me right now. And this is what I'm thinking about right now. And this is what's coming up for me. It can create that, that sense of, of, of disconnect of, of confusion. And, and, you know, it's going to, you know, gossip will fill a void, you know, <laughs> anything that's not being discussed will be talked about somewhere else just not necessarily yeah. with you yeah completely and it, it's um it's interesting because i guess what what people get a sense of is and i'll say to them who are five people you trust like you, you might have met some recently you might have known them for a long time but what is it that what's the communication like what's that ability just to talk at a different level like makes them consider really what what is trust to them and once they're in that situation that one-on-one or the, or the group environment what i listen out for is what's important to them and then i share something that's relevant around me of that topic so there's commonality if it's around kids you and i've touched on kids we've touched on neurodiversity um, we've touched on kind of some of the family dynamics in our in our past histories and as soon as you do that someone goes okay they've shared a, a piece of them to me it's not the full breadth of sharing, like when you sit next to someone on the train and they go, I'm going to tell you my life history. It's not that level of sharing and trust. <laughs> You're the random person who's sitting next to me. Here you go, Andrew. I'm going to give you the full gamut of everything I've told anyone in the last three years. But you're sharing a piece and then it allows the other person to decide. And so ultimately, if you give tiny tidbits of yourself to others, they're ascertaining, okay, our trust is building. Andrew trusts me to share that piece of information with it. He doesn't share with others. And then by modeling that type of behavior, they can then go, how do and I ask them, how do you do that? How do you build that trust with your team? What's the things that you share about yourself that give a glimmer of what motivates you and drives you and makes you who you are? And once you've given that to someone, that's a gift. What changes when trust is present? So, I mean, you, you've worked with sports teams, you've worked with founders, you've worked in organizations. When you see the trust is there, what's, what's different? How do things play out? So I guess for me, what you see is like a, as a couple of founders, you start to see a team of six or seven or eight around them. There's a level of 
shared ownership that starts to build. There's a level of responsibility. There's a level of the foundation is there that everyone can start to own various bits. They don't go, well, so Andrew's the architect of this. This is how Andrew does it. So it's okay. I'll leave Andrew. Andrew's the dad in this situation. Andrew will solve it. No, no, we're, we're the collective family. We have the values and beliefs that this is going to work. And this level starts to step up. You start to see with that, that trusted conversation that they're able to go and have those chats with their teams. They're able to go and support the various people to, to create change that they need and performances step up, capability steps up because that autonomy is there just to make things happen without it being central to one or two people. That's kind of what I see when it works really well. And I guess the other bit is there's less ego. And I've seen this in some of the sporting teams I've, I've either observed or been part of. Their sum is bigger than the parts because they're not relying on a superstar to win. They're relying on a, on a group of stars collectively forming and, and supporting and growing and developing. And so some of the clients that I've worked with over time and the one we kind of, from our mutual contact, had an amazing culture because there was two key founders. There was eight or 10 key owners of responsibility who all held the values and the beliefs of the organization. And they went, this is how we proceed. Not this is how founders proceed. This is how we proceed. Mm -hmm. It's we versus I. Mm -hmm. You know, what's coming up for me is um, I'm remembering that fantastic book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And you know, he had this, this idea that when you, you know, you start, you're employed. Okay. So I've got, I'm, I'm, I've got a job and then you become self-employed and then there's a business owner and then there's an investor. All right. And he saw this as a bit of a journey in terms of um, fi building financial independence. And uh, he said that the biggest problem that he finds is moving someone from being self-employed to being a business owner and that transition and i do you know what, I, once i saw it i couldn't unsee it you know everyone that i was coaching you know people who have you know whether it's they they're it's a project that they've started or whether it's a business that they're, they're running there's that idea of that you know you're just owning your own job right you you're you are you may have ownership of the project but it's all about you managing you and having other people support and help you with that but that switch over to that business owner mentality is where you are um, you've employed everybody who has got their own ownership of their own jobs and has got their own direction and the, the business can exist without you and the minute it's there it can really make a huge difference I worked with one entrepreneur who I remember he was he was finding it really difficult to get all his staff to um, to do things and we kind of we said well let's map out all these different jobs and these roles that you that you're I'm trying to get people to do and really step up and take ownership of and we, when we started mapping out the processes he keeps saying well I and then I do this I said, well no you don't do that because you're on a beach you're over in Greece on a beach so you can't do that so if we're mapping out these processes anything that in words that involves the word I is immediately red flagged and it's out and, you know, since we've started using this principle of, no, you can't, you're on the beach or on the golf course, or, you know, you're speaking with the, with the board right now, you're busy, right? It, it's really powerful for helping people to, to let go, but it's a huge sticking point. Do you find that? I mean, and, and how do you get people over that? Yeah, well, I, I, firstly, before you, 
the the person our joint contact that was the book I gave him 16 years ago oh was it really <laughs> that's the bizarrest thing so I gave him that book and he said that was fundamental to what it's allowed them to sell their first business evolve into the second business so wow just closing that loop um yeah I remember he can give it back to me like years later he goes that was your book and I went oh okay cool well done I love that book so but it's that principle of once you step out of I am now the technical owner of this responsibility, sales, marketing, ops, um, accountancy, whatever technical remit is. Like I'm an engineer, I'm the SEO specialist, I'm the, I'm the web designer. And you go, actually, I'm the overseer. I'm the strategic person. I might have some responsibility commercially, but I'm not running the commercial function. I might oversee operations, but I'm not the person packing the boxes or making sure that, that legal document and all the HR processes file. I'm not the person who's delivering technical training, unless that's something you want to build into another organizational product, but I'm the relational person. I've got to make sure that I'm managing all the different people and all the different components. And as soon as you go, yours is great. You're on the beach. I literally said to someone, they're never coming back. And they're like, what do you mean? I go, sorry either maternity leave or holiday or whatever the event i choose they're never returning what am i going to do and i went well you're going to do the job like <laughs> i don't know how to do that well you do you're fantastic at doing that job either they don't let you do your job or you don't want to do their job or whatever the midpoint is but surrendering control allows them to go you own this step up might be done slightly differently but that's okay. Step up and then they step into what's that strategic board project or the, the more time with family or friends or the, the next mm -hmm. business opportunity, whatever it is. Fascinating. Because as soon as you do that, and I've said to one of my clients the other day, um, clear 20% of your diary right now. Open up your computer, clear 20% of your diary right now. And he's like, okay, same principle. You can't be doing that job anymore. Just remove it. What are you going to do now? He blocked out 20% of his diary there. And then he's just sent me an email this morning saying, I'm typing from the time I've committed that no one can get back from me. <laughs> and he'd rarely do that because he was stuck in all the detail. Yeah. And so it's, it's either the mindset or the mechanism that allows someone to go step out of that. Now, once you've stepped out, do you trust them? Yeah. Well, why you hesitate? Do you trust them? Yeah, she hesitated again. <laughs> Less hesitation than the first hesitation, but so there's a degree of trust. Is it the skill that you, is it the behavior, is it capability? What's the bit that's getting in the way? Well, some of the skills are great. Okay, so we need to do a tiny bit of work on skills. What skills? This is this. Okay. Behaviorally, can they do it? Yeah, they can. I go, why don't you let them do it? So it's your behavior, not their behavior. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about your behavior. Do they have mm -hmm. the capability to step into that more strategic role once they've started to do the technical role? Yeah, I think they can. It's going to take time and experience. Great. We've got time. We'll give them some more experiences. So let's look at your behavior. That means you're holding on to those five key functions in your business. And you've only got one other person at that same senior level as you. You need a future team. You told me there's seven or eight of them ready to step in. 
you want to be on the beach in Greece. What's happening? Oh, I don't know. And so that's when you're into that conversation that allows them to go, okay, it's some of my behavior, some of their behavior, some skills. Here's a route to helping me release. And then I just test them. Okay. Um, as of tomorrow, you're getting all those jobs out of your diary. So what will that clear? And they go 60% of my time. Great. Meeting tomorrow with these four key people, we're getting rid of all those functions in your diary and we're giving them to others. Then I just see what happens. Because as soon as you see what happens, and I'm in that next meeting with them, they're like, well, that's Andrew. Andrew's good at that bit, but I'm not sure whether he can have this bit. He, he can, he's good. He he's fine, just leave him alone. Can Michael do that? Yeah, he can do this bit really well. He struggles on that. Okay, we need to support him. What support can you give him? What support can I give him? What support in the other rest of the organization can give him to do that? What can Gemma do to be in that? Oh, Gemma's already good at it. Leave her alone. <laughs> Let her do a job. Make her go in another part of the building or work remotely. So you just you're touching base. You're helping the relationship. You're not helping on the technical because that's what's got you to this level. And that's not going to get you to the next level of scale in your organization, whatever that is. There's so much in there to unpack, Michael. I'm, the bit that's coming up for me is this idea of the power of the word support. Um, you know, giving people ownership of what needs to be done. It kind of speaks to situational leadership and this idea of, well, you know, where are people in their learning journey? And if they're at that point where they are aware that they don't know fully what they're doing, right? Or that they're, they're aware that they can do it, but they have to really focus on it. I'm talking about unconscious or conscious competence or yeah. conscious incompetence, right? But that conscious incompetence point is a really high stress place. It's, you know, it's where there's a lot of, of nerves and a lot of worry. And I feel like, you know, if I want to move somebody into that place where they have conscious competence, I've got to be really solutions focused. I've got to be really clear about, hey, what you're doing, look what you're doing right. How can I help you with the bits that you're worried about? Yep. Versus really reinforcing all the things you're doing wrong by swooping in and kind of going, oh, look, that's all a mess. Right, I'm going to go and fix this. Yeah, and oh, then, I can't you know, believe you've made that mistake again. Oh, again, give it, right? Give oh. it back to me like the teacher with the red pen. Just going to wow. correct your work because, sorry, that, that wasn't just good enough. Well, actually, it was 90% good enough. Yeah. What do you do that allows them to go, and this is where it's interesting, that back to the word support, you're switching from a teacher-trainer mentality or kind of the originally the consultant. It's fine. I, I can do this. I'll give it to you when it's your level. But I do this level. Yeah. The doctor or it's the mechanic. It's fine. I'll fix your car. You don't know how to fix cars. No, I don't. So give you your car versus here's how you fix this part of your car. You can do that bit. Oh, now you can do this bit. Now you can do this bit. You're scaffolding that development and that support. Over time, it's then asking. You already know how to do all these things. You have the skills and capability to do it. How did you do? How did you solve that problem? Mm. I don't know. Well, let's unpack it. Let's codify what you've just done I literally ask them what did you do next what did you do next what did you do next write a list of stuff do you are you aware when you do this process you do all those six seven things nine things no okay 
which ones do you do really well? Well, I do one and two and four and six and seven really. Great. What happens at four and five? Sure. Okay, next time you do it, be cognizant of four and five. Then we'll have another chat to figure out how did you do at evolving four into, you just, you've, I've got it, it's automatic, it's in the system. And it's fascinating because if you strip it back to its bare components, we can't teach people to be brain surgeons, but we can teach them rudimentary leveling up skills and activities to get there. Then you're trying to add in the, the awareness and that, that self-observational skills and the, the intuition to go, okay, that was a bit messy. Here's what I would have done instead. Not, need to ask Andrew, screwed up again. Andrew is my consultant. He knows how to fix that. Andrew's my teacher. He trains me out. You don't need Andrew. Andrew's going to ask you three questions. <laughs> yeah. It's always allowed to do next. I make people physically sit on their hands. And it's kind of a, a mind-body connection. But what it does, it interrupts them from giving their normal style, their normal support. And I go, normally, what do you do? And they go, I fix it. I go, you can't fix it anymore. You're not allowed to fix it. Because now that's part of the process, right? Our yeah. process of doing this is get it to this point, and then Andrew steps in to fix it, and then yeah, and then we'll move on from there. So no, well, no, let's remove that no. bit from the process. Yeah, he can't fix you anymore. You already know how to do that. Your crutch is to ask Andrew how to. If he answers your question, I'm going to get him. He's sitting on his hands and his mouth is taped. He's not allowed to answer. What are you going to do next? <laughs> Similar, he's on the beach. He's his phone reception is not taking your call. What are you going to do? <laughs> I'm just going to go and solve it. Great. What did you do to solve it? How did you go about that to get to that? Oh, okay. Well, I did this. Okay. So you've got the armory to make it happen. You just found a different way to be supported that isn't that one person. It removed from the equation. They're still a key resource. You just don't need them 90% of the time. You just need them at 10% to add the value in really tricky situations. And But they're not going to solve it going to give advice the title of this podcast is for me kind of becoming how to lead a successful business when you're on the beach or you've been abducted by aliens it's something like that Perfect. it's good <laughs> it's coming but it does kind of get me down to business so let's let's focus for a little bit about what bad looks like um when we haven't let go as leaders yeah. in our organization what kind of things are we going to see and how things are going to play out let's let's hold it there for a moment okay so I guess what I start to notice is um, there's that deference still. There's still the, there's a hesitance. Can't do that because that's Andrew's job. That's Michael's job. It's not. So there's a reluctance to kind of put your head above the parapet and kind of go, I'm, I'm going to take this. There's, there's a subtle fear to say, oh, we don't really make mistakes in this business because we're, we're reliable and we're safe. And so I'm not going to take a bit of a risk because we have all these processes and ways of operating and I've got to go through this person to get to. So there's a hierarchy and there's a, and hierarchy is fine, but if it slows things down and it takes a long time to make a decision, mm. it takes a long time to solve a problem or to solve a challenge or to pivot to where you need to really quickly, you're, you're missing that, that competitor advantage you're missing that ability to kind of be agile enough to go and solve quickly. So when some of my clients are doing that, it's, it's a matter of trying to say, how have you re how have you got this barrier in the way again? 
mm. this barrier of I can't really give you feedback because you're my boss, but you can give me feedback to the cows come home. So there's a fear of giving feedback. There's a fear of, of stepping up. There's a fear of taking risk. Yeah. And I guess what you start to do is they're kind of, it's that quiet quitting, isn't it? Like, oh. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, really? This is what it's like here. I thought I was given lots of responsibility and I had the possibilities to really evolve into my potential and own these type of tasks and jobs and roles where I can make a difference. And I can't because someone else now is, that's the, they decide. I thought I decided. I actually, I'm just the, I'm the follower. And so you start to see businesses where there's a churn of staff because they just go, oh, just, I'm sick of this. I thought that if I had the capability to step in and step up, but they actually, they said they wanted that interview and they said they wanted it as we joined. But over time, there's a lack of consistency in what we've spoken about and the way it actually pans out. So as a leader, I'm going to experience that as a lack of engagement. I'm going to yeah. experience it as I'm not being able to find the right people who I can rely on. Yeah. Um, and you lose the the talent because they go, well, I'm, I'm going to go here. And so right. you weirdly, you retain the okay stuff. They're good. You need them to deliver, but they're not thinking laterally. They're not thinking in an agile way that allows you to go, right. How do we solve this? You kind of get a group speak. You get a group style. You don't get diversity of thought because people are reluctant to kind of say something different because it's, we don't do different. We, this is how we work. Okay. That's really powerful. So let's then flip it. What does that good look like? Great looks like earmarking talent and saying, Andrew has this possibility to be in two rungs higher and you give them the scope to grow into that that great looks like i understand the motivations and drivers of my team i know that their career aspirations are to be in a senior role or to kind of eventually own a business and i'm okay with that because if i have enough entrepreneurial mindset in my organization we're going to flourish and we're going to attract others so it's this ability to then go, we are thinking like owners, we're thinking like very strategic leaders, those next level leaders that make a difference. Mm. And what I get from founders is they go, I'm now free. I'm not bound to the, it's, we are bound less to the space now in the last three years, but previously it was, I was bound to the office. They're not bound to the physical space or the virtual space. They're bound to the strategic space, which is the board or the beach or, or other, other strategic projects, because I have a team that I trust own it and just make them take decisions and move things on. But equally to flag when someone else's talent and how to help them, because if they are mentored and accelerated into that position of leadership and management, then they have a sense of here's how we do it. People want to develop, right? Yeah, I think as a, as a as a founder or as a product owner, I want success. That's what I'm, I'm aiming to succeed in what it is that I'm trying to achieve, and that can be very noble, and there can be lots of great things around there. But I want the project to succeed. That's great. If I'm bringing people on, it's great if they've got ownership of that that goal as well. But also, 
the bit that they need and the bat, perhaps that's uh, the bit which is less about self-orientation and more about orientation towards the team is also development and opportunity and to build on their careers and to take yeah. you know take on that responsibility and, and to be to be able to feel like they've made a contribution that they can recognize as being their own so that idea that they come up with and that opportunity to go with their thought their solution rather than mine all those things helps to build that really that sense where people feel like they are growing and succeeding themselves as well as the project right yeah yeah and i guess carol dweck's um work around growth mindset and you'll know this with um with kids my kids talk a lot about growth mindset but it's that resilience to go i'm allowed to make a mistake i'm allowed to mess up and i'm not going to be crucified for that mistake i'm allowed to own something but it's funny a slight story my six-year-old wants to own cooking and cutting and sharpening. It's like, oh, how do I trust the six-year-old to use the really sharp knife? On the weekend, it didn't work out so well, but it's the oh, same no. principle. How do you start to share the slightly trickier things? You've got to let them slightly fail. I'm not going to give my six-year-old a very sharp knife, which is what she was adamantly about to do before my wife had a go at her. But it's the same principle. You've got to figure out what's the available risk and opportunity that allows you to go that's okay if we mess that up but we need to learn we need to evolve from why that didn't work as opposed to oh screw that up let's just um not do that again sorry that project's parked because we made a mistake so the chance to go we own this we're okay the chance to then share hey i'm not in the best possible state at the moment to deliver this but andrew's ready he could just step up in while I'm not here. And so you start to see, and you see it in really great sporting teams. They don't go, oh my God, we've lost this star player. They go, no, no, someone's ready to step into that. That's the succession plan built and ready. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I saw this play out last year with, um, or rather the year before with the Atlanta Braves. I'm a baseball fan. I was never really into sports until I, I went to see a baseball game in America because it was something to do. And oh, wow, I just got hooked. And I was in Atlanta, so hence the Braves. But um, one of the best players in the sport, a guy called Ronald Acuna Jr., um, star player. The, 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 the team wasn't really clicking. We weren't really winning. We'd done really well the year before. And then um, all of a sudden, our star player, uh, I think he tore his Achilles. I mean, it was just, it was a, it was a season-ending injury. And we're kind of like about midway through the season. And it was like, ah, oh, well, that's it. And I felt, that's it. It's over now. But something really weird happened with the rest of the team. Because now he wasn't in the game. Everybody else just went, okay, we're going to bring a little bit of Ronald to the team. We're all going to try and bring that spirit try and bring that energy and it just popped everything just flew and they went on to win the world series yeah. with their star player down and you know it's those kind of moments where you know you see i think these are testament to what it is that you're speaking to but, but it's about it's about creating that environment where that um where people really can step up and and to do so in a safe way i think that was the bit that really stuck out for me you talked about milestones um and uh or you know kind of steps along the way what can we do i mean my two-year-old top you know they wanted she wanted scissors for christmas that was the top of her christmas list <laughs> right so i'm uh, i'm with you but we got some safety scissors right yeah 
we've got some kids once she she can figure that she can play with it that's all good sure she also chopped a couple of decorations off the christmas tree but all right we can roll with that but it, it's those steps and i think it, it's um i think that that's one of those things in the beeline right what's the shortest possible way that we can close the path between these two points um it seems to me like creating safe opportunities for people to step up would be one of them yeah what else it's that ability to um you and i've touched on this in our various conversations but it's that ability to know yourself it's the ability to kind of have a an awareness of what makes you tick and am i grounded am i present am i am i really listening to what andrew is saying to me or am i just going to vaguely listen because these great teams they listen and they care and so what they're doing is they're not listening with just their ears and their brain, they're listening with their heart and their gut. There's an energetic exchange that's subconsciously occurring where you go, I, I feel back to that trust conversation we had, I can just trust Andrew, but I know in like a, an armed forces sense, they've got, they've got my back. I've, I've shared a bit of me, they've shared a bit of them, but at, on a cellular level, I think you were touching on like mirror neurons. You're feeling that bond, that connection. Yeah. And so those teams that are great, I can walk into them and I feel um, a calmness. And it won't be a calmness that, depending on the, the height and activity of what they're doing, but it's a calmness because of the connected bits. There isn't mm -hmm. disparate. There isn't discord. There's disagreement, which is okay, because disagreement allows you to move forward. But there's not discord and disconnect. Because you know that when, and others will know this, when you meet someone and you, there's something palpable, you go, oh, I'm repelled. It's like that magnets, magnets bounce off each other. That's just two people on two different wavelengths. Great teams are on the same wavelength. You reminded me of when my daughter, we put her into childcare. She was very, very young and she was a very open and very bright and engaging kid. And, um, but we put her to this childminder and um, it was, it was a lot of kids in a tight space. It started off with just her and another, and then there was another three within like two weeks. And I think it just got too much for the childminder. And it was, it was triggering some stress on her. But basically I noticed it took me about two hours to get my kid back once I got her back home because she was so, so shut down mm. and you know it, it was almost like shell-shocked I mean there wasn't anything you know traumatic going on in there it's just I don't know the feel of the place yeah and seeing her shut down like that and then seeing her open again for me kind of we, I was able to see a contrast that perhaps I don't often see and I, 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 it made me aware of it in my team that mm. when people are under stress how much we kind of shut down and how do we go okay then this is hard and that means you, we've got to share what's going on internally we've got a voice i'm concerned i do you know i feel angry i feel upset about that and but but tuning in with that without that threat of blame about yeah. you've messed it up again and i've got to step in now right or you know and, and you know or i've messed it up again now and you didn't support me properly you know <laughs> whatever that blame yeah. bit is that needs to be you know, removed. The minute that's gone and we're there for each other and we're looking to find the best solution for the client, for the people, it can make that huge difference because we're clear about what we're trying to do. It's not it's not every time there's a mistake, it's an excuse for a power trip. Yeah, and it is interesting with that sensitivity, 
I guess that's a more visceral example of your child kind of going within themselves. But from a, a body language perspective, you will start to see these subtle nuances of when that energy shifts. Mm. You'll start to see that there'll be slight ticks depending on it. You notice a conversation, someone slightly backs off or kind of slightly closes down. And so you, that's great if you're saying, let's open up. And so one of the exercises I get people to do is literally to say, unblock your arms and legs and just sit there and just let it register. And it might hurt you in the heart and physiologically, because I've got a, like a, a sports um, teaching background, physiologically, all these chemicals are moving around your body. And as soon as you get people to attend to them and be aware of it, you go, okay, so when this happens in your, when this happens, what happens in your body? And they're like, I get stressed. Yeah, I know you get stressed. I feel it in my palms, my hands, I get sweaty or my shoulders scrunch, or I kind of get this thing at the back of my jaw. What do you do? And they go, oh, um, what do I do? well, my shoulders get really tight here. Okay. What else? I, I feel this little pain kind of either in just in my solar plexus. And I go, great. When you notice that physiological symptom coming, that's you shutting, holding, hiding, masking. So if you then just go, now what are you doing? You and I have touched on this around yoga and kind of the breathing and kind of getting yeah. centered. As soon as you get people chilling, opening their arms and legs so that there's no crossed, crossing over of limbs, there's a, there's a current that just can flow through you and you can just ground yourself. Most people go, that's ridiculous. They just try it. Just try deep breathing and they go, okay, that doesn't actually work. <laughs> There are scientific reasons that this works, but once you kind of get into that grounded state, you're now able to notice what's happening around your team. You're now able to share discord without it being personal. You're now able to notice those subtle nuances of others. You go, oh my goodness, Andrew, did you see that? Yeah, of course he did. You just haven't never spotted it because you're in your own head waiting to ask the next question. I was in conversation with um, a senior sales leader and he told me he used to be in the American military and there was a situation where um, they were in a high, it was a high stakes situation. They were not to take one step back. In other words, they've got to hold the line. It was about defending some, uh, I think it was elections that were going on, but a crowd started running towards them. And, you know, there were some decisions that needed to be made because it was a, you know, they had live rounds. It was a, it was a very serious situation and um then a smoke canister got fired towards them and the you know the team were ready to open fire and in that moment he decided you know everyone was asking for the command he decided to just close his eyes breathe take a moment and listen and something about that moment shifted his perception of the experience and he took off his helmet, he put down his weapon, he stepped forward to the crowd and he just said, stop. And everybody stopped. What had happened was that they were being, that somebody had opened fired on the crowd and the crowd were running away from people who had opened fired on them. And somebody had fired over the crowd a smoke canister. Right, so it wasn't it wasn't the crowd that was that was running towards them that that were that were the threat, and in that moment there, that moment to just ground yourself, mm. to open up, 
and be able to sense the experience was well saved a lot of lives how powerful is that though i don't think it's uh wishy-washy i don't think it's um you know a hippie thing to do um i feel like it is absolutely fundamental to our performance as a leader to be able to sense the situation and to take a moment yeah. and i think some people have uh, a natural sensitivity some people find that more difficult but it's about choice and it's about using what what we have available to us right to do the yeah, best yeah. we can yeah completely when i go up into my head it's when i'm thinking how does this affect the plan something has just happened and this is going to affect my plan this is going to derail things this is going to make things more difficult and I'm, I'm thinking about that and I'm trying to figure out how to get everybody back on the track and how to get back in control. And I learned over the years that that's, that's the point where I'm about to make a bad decision yeah. rather than kind of going, okay. A great leader I know I, you, uses the word, okay, just to ground the situation. You know, it's all this, it's all going wrong. Okay, let's take stock. Let's figure out what's happening here. Let's tune into where we are. Because once we understand where we are, we're going to be giving ourselves much better directions to figure out where we want to be, right? Yeah, yeah. And I guess what it's doing is just saying, okay, ultimately we're heading towards that. Yeah. But at the moment, we're heading this way towards plan B. Yet, let's figure out not how we're offline, but what is it about what we're doing at this moment that is stopping us? Okay. You're saying, a, I'm saying B, but we both agree we need to get to this end point, this milestone, this this target in the future. Yeah, yeah, we do. Okay, so we just need to figure out not how we're off plan, because we are off plan, but what is it that we agree on, and where's the where's the disconnect that allows mm -hmm. us to move forward? Ground it, depersonalize it. So we have a very clear beeline there. That is essentially how we let go. We've got to get from this place where we are locked out and we're, we're finding it's difficult to get people engaged and people we're, we're holding on to uh, control of different things and stepping in all the time. And we want to get to that place where people are engaged and they've got ownership and they've got clarity. Um, and I'm on a beach and that's okay. And everything's all running smoothly. To get there in those moments where you know, we've, we've given people safe um, steps along the way. We've given people something that they can do. We're providing them with support in the moment. We're focusing on, on what they are doing well, but also being there for them when things are difficult. And we're creating, when things do go wrong, that space where we just take a breath, we tune in, we look at where we are, and then make a decision about what we need to do to to move us forward in a way which is healthy and useful and and factors in all those different variables what's the biggest obstacle that you've had to overcome in order to make a positive impact and how did you do it um it's probably getting out of my own way it's knowing that i have a certain skill a certain way of doing things and then i tried to over engineer it and so when I tried, when I years ago, I tried to describe it, it was so complex, people couldn't refer me because they didn't know what it was. They just knew that I did all these amazing things that helped performance at the individual team and organizational level. And so now it's just accepting that 
I have some of these skills and this capability, I have this ability to kind of read and manage energy in organisations and people, that I just accept that's just what I can do, as opposed to, well, what about if I dip it to this niche or to this type of cohort, or it's just SMEs, or it's just impact-based businesses, or it's just corporates, or just athletes. It doesn't matter, it's a person. And it's just knowing that when I meet somebody, I know I can make a profound difference. It's just whether they're ready. So it's just that ability just to let go and just accept that the world is going to produce an opportunity where people like you and I just meet and connect and go, how do we work together? And if I just keep doing that and I just keep helping and sharing and adding value, that will come. And so that took a long time just to let go, just to accept. Michael Crow, how do people reach you when they are ready? I guess LinkedIn is probably the best vehicle. My company's called Excel Unlimited, but I think most people search me for Michael Crow. You're kind of searching around founders' freedom, um, next level leaders, amazing podcasts like this one, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> well, all the more amazing for having you on it. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today on Beeline. It has been a, a deep felt pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Don't miss the next episode of Beeline when Andrew talks to Teresa Destrebeck, founder of Emerge Book Circles, coach, facilitator and podcast host. If you're interested to know more or could do with a reminder about today's episode or any of the other episodes in this series of Beeline, I've collated some notes, links and resources for you to explore and download at www.consultthehive.com forward slash beeline. The Hive Change Consultancy provides radically effective training, coaching and facilitation that enables a dynamic shift in leaders, sales teams and entire organisational cultures. Get in touch today for an informal chat with one of our team. My name's Gemma Aston and you've been listening to Beeline. Lead the way.